Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for September 12th. We thank you, Lord God, that you will anoint our ears as we read the word of Isaiah. Lord, thank you for your conquering spirit. Thank you for the triumph and victory in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have rewarded us with goodness and mercy and kindness. Thank you, Lord God, that we're made in your image to do your work and to have fun. Thank you, Father, for this time, and we give you the praise, thanksgiving, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do I start reading? You want me to read? Yeah, I did yesterday this one. Did you start one chapter? Start it. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, Isaiah, September 12th, Isaiah 10, verses 1 to 11, 16. Chapter 10, verse 1 to 11:16 What sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws they deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people They prey on widows and take advantage of orphans what will you do when I punish you when I send disaster upon you from a distant land To whom will you turn for help where will your treasures be safe you will stumble along as prisoners or lie among the dead but even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied his fist is still poised to strike what sorrow awaits Assyria the rod of my anger I use it as a club to express my anger I'm sending Assyria the rod of my anger I use it as a club to express my anger. I'm sending Assyria against a godless nation, against a people with whom I'm angry. Assyria will plunder them, trampling them like dirt beneath its feet, but the king of Assyria will not understand that he is my tool. His mind does not work that way. His plan is simply to destroy, to cut nation after nation. He will say, each of my princes will soon be a king. We destroyed... Kalno, just as we did Karkemesh. Hamath fell before us as Arpad did, and we destroyed Samaria just as we did Damascus. Yes, we have finished off many a kingdom whose gods were greater than those in Jerusalem and Samaria. So we will defeat Jerusalem and her gods just as we destroyed Samaria with hers. After the Lord has used the king of Assyria to accomplish his purposes on Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem he will turn against the king of Assyria and punish him for he is proud and arrogant he boasts but my own powerful arm I have done this with my own shrewd wisdom I planned it I have broken down the defenses of nations and carried off their treasures I have knocked down their kings like a bull I have robbed their nests of riches and gathered up kingdom as a farmer gathers egg no one can even flap a wing against me or utter peep or of a peep of protest. But can the axe boast greater power than the person who uses it? In the saw greater is the saw greater than the person who saws? Can a rod strike unless a hand moves it? Can a wooden cane walk by itself? Therefore the Lord the Lord of heaven's armies will send a plague among Assyria's proud troops and a flaming fire will consume its glory. The Lord, the light of Israel, will be a fire. The Holy One will be a flame. He will devour the thorns and briars with fire, burning up 
the enemy in a single night. The Lord will consume Assyria's glory like a fire consumes a forest in a fruitful land. It will waste away like sick people in a plague. Of all that glorious forest, only a few trees will survive, so few that a child could count them. In that day, the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them. But they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. But though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant of them will return. The Lord has rightly decided to destroy his people. Yes, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, has already decided to destroy the entire land. So this is what the Lord, the Lord of heaven's army says, O my people in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians when they oppress you with rod and clubs as the Egyptians did long ago. In a little while my anger against you will end, and then my anger will rise up to destroy them. The Lord of heaven's armies will lash them with his whip, as he did with Gideon, as he did when Gideon triumphed over the Midianites at the rock of Oreb, or when the Lord's staff was raised to drown the Egyptian army in the sea. Wow. In that day the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. Look, the Assyrians are now at, at uh, Ayeth. They are passing through Migran. And are storing their equipment at Michmash. They are crossing the path and are camping at Giba. Fear strikes the town of Ramah. Ramah. All the people of Gibeah, the hometown of Saul, are running for their lives, screaming terror. You people of uh, Galam, shout a warning to Lasha, O poor Anathoth. There go the people of Madmenah, all fleeing. The citizens of Gibeah are trying to hide. The enemy stops at Nob for the rest of, rest of that day. He shakes his fist at beautiful Mount Zion, the mountain of Jerusalem. But look, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will chop down the mighty tree of Assyria with great power. He will cut down the proud. The lofty trees will be brought down. He will cut down the forest trees with an axe. Lebanon will fall to the mighty one. Uh, <clears throat> out of the stump of David's family <clears throat> will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old roof. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his sword, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a veil, belt, belt, uh -huh. and truth like an undergarment. Amen. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together, and the leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe from with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. The cow will grace near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. 
the baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be bannered of will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally on him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people. Those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt and southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam and Babylonia, Hamath and all of the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. Then at last the jealous between, jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. They will not be rivals anymore. They will join forces to swoop down on Philistia to the west. Together they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab, and Ammon will obey them. The Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. Amen. Amen. It's interesting to see on um, 11.1, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from an old root. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us insight in what we're talking about. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you created us in your image for your glory and your honor. Uh, amen. I understand, according to this, it means that what you read was a lot of destruction of, uh, of Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, a stump means that, you know, they were moaned. Another nation came in and burned the whole place up. So there was a stump left out of the stump of David's family would grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit, the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That's when the um, Romans was over Israel, and then Jesus came along. Amen. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge and in the fear of the Lord. So how many is that? Uh, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Six of them. Yep. So that's that's our inheritance. And he will delight in, in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and out of one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. So out of the breath, one breath, he would say, Get out in Jesus' name. Be healed. He will wear righteousness like a belt, the truth like an undergarment. And, and then, 
I don't know what's going on in the spirit after that when he talks about that the wolf and the lamb will live together and you know that didn't happen then you know and it still hasn't happened it, it, today it sounds like this is um, going to be in the end times when he comes back but the first part on 11 1 mm-hmm. there's a little uh, saying the Messiah fulfilled God's promise on um, today's study that a descendant of David would rule forever Someday this Messiah will rule over all things with justice and righteousness forever. Mm-hmm. How we long for that day. We all desire to be treated fairly by others. But do we treat others fairly? We have those who base their judgments on appearances, false evidence, or hearsay. But are we using the, those same standards? Only Christ, the Messiah, can be perfectly fair judge. Only as his spiritual reign is made real in our hearts can we begin to treat others as we expect others to treat us. It will not be perfect or complete until Christ comes, but through Christ and his power in our lives, we can begin to live justly with others today. Amen. But it it sounds to me that when the Lord comes back and he starts to reign on his mountain, that these things are going to be, you know, you'll have the wolf and the lamb living together. That you know, there won't be any kind of devouring, right? The way animals predate, you know, they prey on other animals, mm-hmm. and a little child will lead them. Um, I thought it already the happened. Cap, the the beginning, cap, you know, the uh-huh. stump of David. Just, but then, because when you read down here, it says, "In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world." And that's what happened. That's yeah. where we are today. But then it says, "The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place." Okay, well, the earth is not a glorious pla- place right now. Is when we, we all come back. I think to reign. I want to say the millennium, because then it says here, "In that day, the Lord will reach out His hand a second time." Mm-hmm. And it says, to bring back the remnant of his people. All the people that, that didn't, weren't saved in the first, right? Those who remain in Assyria and north northern Egypt. And then they mentioned a couple of other places. Uh, Ethiopia, Babylonia, Hamath, and all those. And, and I really like, I thought that was really interesting at the end of the teaching here. That said, he will wave his hand over the Euphrates River. Okay, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago, you know, when they parted the Red Sea. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let me go ahead and keep on reading. Okay. 2 Corinthians 12, 11 and 21. Maybe that was, that was interesting. Amen, it is. Because um, it seems like the mercies of God, they, you know, we're like ants to him. He says, let me, this powerful river divided into three so they can walk. Yeah, he's going to deliver his people, Israel. He's saving them. So it's a way for them to come back to, uh, have a pathway to come back to Israel. Amen. Second Corinthians 12, 11, 21. You Corinthians have made me, Paul, act like a fool, boasting like this. You ought to be writing commandments for me, for I am not all... Commendations. Commendations for me, for I am not all 
inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will be glad. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Mm. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of your trickery. But how did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brothers with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend, defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants. And with God as our witness, everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I am afraid that when I, can, I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I'm afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual morality, or eagerness for lustful pleasure. Amen. What do you think about that? Wow, that's interesting. He's just very honest with the people. You know, I like what he mm. says. He says, look, I proved that I'm an apostle because I did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. Um, Again, I like the way where he says uh, that I, Paul, he says, for I am not all inferior to these super apostles even though I am nothing at all right you know he was very humble mm-hmm. and he paid his own way he didn't let them pay you know and again mm-hmm. you know and he says I was really wrong for doing this right right you know because uh, you guys wanted to pay my way mm-hmm. now I might be a third time and I will not be burning you I don't want what you have I want after all the children don't provide I like what he says, I will get, gladly spend myself and I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he, his love was growing for them and wanted them to have, you know, the salvation and they would walk in the grace of God. But the more he loved them, the less they loved him. So it's kind of, isn't that kind of like the Lord? The more he wants, the more he, he loves us, sometimes we get... You know, the less we love him back, just spending time with them. You know, for me, it's like, hey, Lord, good morning. You know, you do really that really well. You greet him in the morning. You just start to talk to him in the morning when you wake up. But um, I like what he said here. You know, when he's talking about, you know, taking advantage of them. Um, 
when he, you know, he sent Titus and he sent, I don't know, I think he sent Timothy at one point. I don't know if it's in here, but I know he was sending you know, others, evangelists their way. Um, and it says, they had the same spirit and they walked in each other's steps doing the same things the same way. There wasn't any kind of, this kind of doctrine over here, this kind of doctrine there. Everything was exactly or consistent in how they were preaching the gospel. Amen. Very good. Good observance. Mm -hmm. And everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. Okay? That's very good. They're there to help strengthen the brethren. It says here, Paul's passionate commitment to Christ puts most of us to shame, but his example should compel us to look for the Jesus that Paul knew. What did Paul see in Christ that motivated him so deeply? Do you believe that Christ is as enthralling as Paul believed he is? Amen. Amen. And it's obvious that the Corinthians were having struggles with these sins it, here. The gossip, that, the arrogance, the disorderly behavior, selfishness, jealousy, anger, quarreling. Oh, know. man. They hadn't repented of their and sexual had, morality. Oh, boy. And that's in the church. That's in the church. The AA can get like that, yeah. you know. We got, mm -hmm. you know, and... That's why the leaders, the guys have been there long on, they love you, and they don't, they don't talk about people. They just move forward. Yeah. Okay, Psalm 56, 1 through 13. We pray for those being attacked because they are Christians. We pray to, that they would be vindicated so that all may see God's greatness. Lord, we thank you for all our brothers that are being attacked, Lord, all around the world, Lord. The Chinese, the Asians, Lord the South Koreans, and we pray for the North Koreans that you may bless them, bless our hearts, Lord God. Thank you for giving them love. Psalm, and we pray for all the Christians all around the world, Lord. Psalm 56, 1 through 13. Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are bodily attacking me. Boldly. Boldly attacking, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Again, when I am weak, I will put my trust in you. I praise you for what He has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say and spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me. Watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O oh God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in the light in the life-giving light. Amen. Proverbs 23, verses 6 to 8. Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't 
desire their delicacies. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. You will throw up what little you've eaten, and your compliments will be washed. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's broadcast, Lord. We thank you for our guest, Billy Burke. Lord, that he's going to be ministering to us, Lord, through the Word of God. He's going to be bringing us today a word that we may reflect on. Thank you for the writer of the book of Psalms. Thank you for all the writers that pin down your thoughts, Lord, and your inspiration for us humans. You inspire us, Lord. You renew our youth like the eagle with your words. You crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies, Lord. You, you have redeemed us from destruction, Lord, from hell through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. You have healed all our diseases, Lord, spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, sociably. Loneliness, you healed our loneliness. And Lord, you have forgiven all our iniquities and you have forgiven all our wrongs, Lord. You've given us a second chance. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for today's uh, teaching. Thank you for bringing it to us through Minister Billy Burke. B-U-R-K-E. Here we go, Billy. Your word for today with Pastor Billy Burke. Our word for today. I love this stuff. Welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Pastor Billy Burke, and it's just, I mean, it's just amazing that we get to connect every week on your word for today. And before we get into the teaching, I want to ask you, are these teachings helping you? Are they? Some of you have not heard from. I'd love to hear from you, your comments. Tell me about the healings you're getting. Give me a testimony. Give me some of the understanding you're, you're collecting from these broadcasts. But I'd like you to consider really partnering with us. I mean, this is an hour whenever we need to join hands, hearts, and faith to reach this world, to touch one sick person at a time, one leper at a time, to touch people, to connect a wave of righteousness in the earth. Would you help me do that? We can't handle the calls. We can't even get the letters to everybody. We can't hire enough people. But if someone like you would come alongside, your seed, your prayers, your faith could make all the difference. Think about that. Pray and let me know. Numbers there. As I said, go to billyburke.org. Get in touch with us. We will respond back to you. In your Bible today, Psalm 112, verse number 5. And it says, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon all of his enemies. Verse number seven is what I'm going to talk about. He will not be afraid of bad news because his heart is fixed. 
bad news comes to all of us in life. Different seasons, different levels. Some is life-threatening, some is not life-threatening, but just as bad. And we're called to be found with a fixed heart. David was facing a lot of issues with fear. I mean, he had a madman, Saul, that was on his coattails trying to kill him, trying to take his life. And if he took his life, he would take out, snuff out the calling, snuff out maybe even all of the Psalms that were written. Think about that. If Saul would have gotten David, would we even have these Psalms today? There's so much connected to you living life, to you being healthy to you being cerebral strong, mentally strong. It's not just about you, it's about legacy. It's about posterity. It's about the seeds coming out of your life to affect generations to come. Until that great catching away, that one day when the twinkling of an eye when we are just taken out of here, that day is upon us. Even more so should be we redeeming the time, occupying till he comes. We have to get to the place where every place the enemy comes, it's already occupied. I'm coming after Billy Burke's mind, it's occupied. I'm coming after Billy Burke's uh, time and exertion, it's occupied. If the enemy can come and everywhere he's attacking that used to be empty, used to be a neutral zone, now it's occupied, occupied, occupied. I'm telling you what, there's nothing worse than driving late at night and you need a room in a hotel and the sign says no vacancy. What's that mean? Drive on down the road. But whenever you see vacancy, whenever the devil sees vacancy, whenever he sees there's an empty spot, then he does his best to get into that little spot. Bring one cell, another cell, and build a tumor. So it's really, really important that in this hour that we become fully occupied. And in the meantime, in the meantime, we, we face attacks all different sides of us and bad news does come to our door evil tidings bad news health issues money issues family issues all of them are meant to flush you out of your security all of them are meant you to really forsake your faith move into the emotional realm move into the natural realm throw down your shield forget that you have a sword Run out onto the battlefield half naked, no helmet. You know, pretty soon you become just another defeated Christian. Look at me, you are not called to be a defeated Christian. But before we even get to that point, where does it all begin? It begins if the enemy can shake you out of your shoes with bad news, with fear. Fear is one of his top weapons. That's what this story is about. David said, I'll not be afraid of bad news. My heart is fixed. Sounds so easy for someone to say that. It, it really, really does. What helps me understand that is coming from a man who was under threat all the time. Had a contract out on his life all the time. I mean, he was facing Bathsheba issues, Saul issues, Absalom issues. He, had, he was surrounded. That's why he says over in Psalm 3.3, right behind me here, you know, I was surrounded by enemies. And he's my glory. He's my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. So David had to learn how to really hide in God. 
He had to learn how to really not fall apart with fear. The next knock on the door, he didn't know if it was Saul, Bathsheba, Absalom, one of the neighboring enemies. He just wasn't sure. So he had to learn to really trust God and how to really stay out of fear. My heart is fixed. What's that, a fixed heart? What is a fixed heart? And it says right here in verse number 8, his heart is established. You have to learn the difference between feeling fear and having fear. You have to know the difference between feeling doubt and having doubt. You have to know the difference between feeling alone and really being alone. And one more. You have the difference between feeling like quitting and actually quitting. Now, notice the word I'm using, feeling, 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 feeling. You can feel fear and yet not have fear. You can feel like quitting and yet never quit. See, that word feeling is in the soul realm. The Greek word for the word soul realm is the suki or the suke man. That part of you that's not saved, that part of you that's still being fought over. When you got born again, your spirit got recreated. Your mind didn't. Your spirit did. Your body didn't. But your spirit did. So only one third of us is really recreated. That's the spirit. We're born of the spirit. Our mind is what? Our job to renew. Our body is our job to bring into sub subjection. God said, I'll cut you a deal. I'll save your spirit. But you bring, you renew your own mind. And you bring your own body under subjection. See, that shows God your willingness, your desire to really locate what you're really after and what you're willing to do to get it. Because God says, I'll, I'll do the most important part, which is I'll get you born again. I'll get a new nature in you. You know, I'll give you all these promises. But I want to see you use my promises, activate them. It will renew your thinking. It will shift the way you think. It will change the way you treat your body, where you put it, what you put on it, where you place it. And all, this is the whole renewal process. That doesn't mean you ever really don't feel fear. That, that feeling, we have to learn that it's just a feeling. But if you don't know that, then you're going to feel like, wow, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to admit this. I'm afraid. I have fear. I fear death. I have fear of failure. I have fear of, and then pretty soon, the moment you say, I have, that's ownership. When you say the word have, it's ownership. When you say have, it means you own it. I have a car. It means you have a car. You have a car. It means I have a house. You have a house. It means if you have uh, antique collection, it means you have, you have a collection. You have ownership. When you say I have fear, it means you're just welcoming it right into your, into your house. It's better to say I'm fighting fear. I tell people a bear on the outside of the cabin is different than a bear on the inside of the cabin. I'm not so much concerned about a bear on the outside of the cabin. He can roar, look in my window, make noise, show his teeth. He's on the outside. Now, if a bear is on the inside, it's a different bear. And that's what happens with fear. If it gets on the inside, it's a different fear. It does begin to affect decisions. It does begin to affect health. It does begin to open up the door for other passengers to come on in 
you know, fear travels with infirmity. Infirmity and fear travel together. Then disease comes in, then you got fear, you got disease, then you got that, and pretty soon you have a, a demonic party at your house. That's what Zacchaeus had at his house. That's why Jesus didn't save him at the tree. He could have saved him right at the tree. But he said, let's go to your house today. Because he knew the curse was at the house. It was with the whole family. Even though Zacchaeus was the one that cheated the people as a tax collector, even though he was the one, somehow that whole family was involved in that debacle, in that debauchery of cheating. Somehow. Because Jesus said, I must go to your house. I could have saved you right here. But I'm going to trace this curse the whole way back to the house. See, God knows exactly how to do that. He knows exactly the difference between you feeling fear, you having a bear on the outside, and having a bear on the inside. And what he wants for you to do is to learn to discern your own life. That's why when you take communion, I mean, that's why you drink the blood and eat the bread, and the Lord says discern the body. So you discern the body, but usually we're to examine ourselves. What do I have going on inside of me here? You know, what am I fighting? What have I left into my house? By using words. Words will let something into you. Words will open up the door. I mean, I mean, Brother Copeland has taught us that for years, right? The power of our words. And you know it, and you know it, and you know it. But boy, to train your tongue. Oh, you can't train the tongue. The Bible says no man can tame it. No man can tame your tongue. But the Holy Spirit can. That's why it was tongues of fire that came on Pentecost. Tongue, the, the Holy Spirit can, I hope he can, because my, my tongue is way different today than it was, you know, years ago, months ago. Getting better by the day. Because I, I, I'm, I'm learning to submit and saying that doesn't bring life, that doesn't bring hope, that doesn't bring healing. James says your tongue is a rudder of a ship. It can help navigate you out of troubled water. Sometimes it comes down to what are you saying? You're having what you're saying. You are what you eat. You are what you say. What is a fixed heart in this story? I will not be afraid. He's saying I'm going to keep everything negative on the outside. I'm not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. What do you mean you're not going to admit that you have fear? I'm going to admit that I'm fighting fear. I'm going to admit that I'm fighting doubt. I'm going to admit that temptation has come to me, tempting me to quit. Remember when, Je when, de when the devil tempted Jesus, he Jesus didn't defeat him on the ground. He took Jesus clear to the pinnacle of the temple tear the edge of the building so if, if you're not going to do something it's not temptation temptation means I'm going to do it I want to do it, I don't know why I want to do it but I'm going to do it Jesus defeated him, it is written but not till he got to the pinnacle I mean sometimes you can be pushed and pushed and pushed and you're not quite sure if you have real doubt, if you're really afraid if you're really, you know depressed you have a button inside of you you have a you have a an alarm on the inside of you 
Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Sometimes just that calling out Jesus. Sometimes just a verse that you have in you that is, you know, that is faith-based and not fear-based. The Lord hasn't given me a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 or the power of love and a sound mind. But, but something has to be activated to get you thinking, verbalizing. An established heart is a heart that, a fixed heart is a heart that responds to God, refuses to be shut down, refuses to go quietly. That's what a fixed heart is. A fixed heart is saying, I'm not going to roll over and just accept fear. I'm not just going to roll over and be doubtful. Just because every, but everything I read about my condition has no hope. I'm not going to roll over. My heart's fixed. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm going to trust what I can see over what I can see. That's what a fixed heart is. I vote God. I check the box for a miracle. I turn the program off that says no way, no hope, no how. Sorry, I'm done. It says of Abraham, once he got the promise at 100 years old that he was going to impregnate Sarah, 90, it says that what? He didn't even consider his own body, now dead. Didn't even consider the bareness of Sarah's womb. Gave not, didn't give it a thought. Because your thoughts feed circumstance. Your thoughts feed condition. Then from thoughts comes imagination. And imagination really takes it to a whole nother level. And pretty soon you become convinced you're going to die. You become convinced you're going to be in that wheelchair. You become convinced that you're going to be medicated the rest of your life. That's what you tell people. Well, I'd rather have this than die. I'd rather have this than at least I can da-da-da-da. Listen to me. No, 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 a thousand times no. Don't concede. You wave no white flag to the devil. You wave no white flag to circumstance. You wave no white flag to prognosis. Miracles flourish in unfavorable conditions. I'm going to say that again. Miracles flourish in unfavorable conditions. Out of a dead, stinking tomb came a mummy-wrapped Lazarus. Hardly the place for life because it was known for dead. But out of that came life. Oh, he said, you lose him. Those grave clothes were four days. They were beginning to stick to rotting flesh. There are so many things that look hopeless and you can become fearful by just seeing everything in the natural. And that's what you'll see things in the natural until you really train yourself with this written word and until you get that eye salve that Jesus talked about in Revelation 3.18. Anoint my eyes with eye salve so that I can see. I mean, there's, he was talking about this salve, the supernatural salve of Holy Ghost. The same one that Paul talked about in Ephesians 1.17. That he opens up my eyes of understanding. You've got eyes that are opened over here. Eyes of understanding over here. He that has an ear, let him hear. Ears getting opened over here. Acts 16, he opened up Lydia's heart over here. God's kind of always opening up ears and hearts and eyes. Because God wants you to see that he's a good God. It's not over till you leave this earth. 
long as you're breathing, long as there's a heartbeat, long as there's a brainwave. I have a pastor friend, I mean, you would know him more than likely, but he wrote a great book. The book was called Beyond and Back. And he went down to, he went down to confirm that the person that had died that was in, a, in one of those vaults where you pull the drawer out, he had a tag on his toe. Him and his wife went down to the morgue in California to identify this person in their church. This story is documented in the book, Beyond and Back. As they said, he said, that's him. And they sat there and talked about him and what a great man he was. And as he was leaving, he just grabbed the man's big toe and said, we'll see you in the future. When he grabbed the big toe, the man that was dead just sat up right in the drawer. Sat up right in the drawer. Walked out of a morgue that day. Now, we didn't hear about it. It didn't make the news. Something that don't make the news. It makes good news. What is a fixed heart? You 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 dwell on the positive. You dwell on what promises can bring about. Never too late, never too old. Irregardless of gender, status, or quo. Listen to me. It can take place in you. But if you feed on bad news. If you feed on the monkeypox and you feed on, you know, the COVID-19 and you feed on there's another strain coming. If it comes, it comes. So I feed on Psalm 91. I asked the Holy Ghost to give me a weapon of choice. He says, put the blood over your house. Put the blood over you. Let's go see a miracle moment right now. So many of you are calling in. You're letting me know these miracle moments are blessing you. Thank you so much for that. And I'm going to say this. Help me, help me. Be a partner and help me see more of these. Let's go see a miracle moment right now. That was uh, Billy Berkey uh, Healing Service 9-11-22. You can find him on YouTube. His uh, prayer line is 844-264-7225. area code 264-7225. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Be enriched.